I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit in Libations. Um, Sadie and I were talking about how it sounds like we say everything the same when we have our greetings. So I'm not going to ask you how you are, Sadie. Okay. Um, are you excited to talk about the rest of Liberty? Yes. Yes, I am. I am very excited to talk about the rest of Liberty. Good. Well, before we get into that, um, maybe... Oh, actually, I have a few announcements. So the first one is... The next book, actually, Sadie, why don't you tell everyone again the next book we're going to be discussing. So that'll be on our next episode. So we're taking a bit of a turn in the genres that we usually cover. So we're going to go so towards the science fiction genre this time. We're going with The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula K. Le Guin. Um, This book is awesome. It was written in 1969, right around the time of the Stonewall Riots, and it's it's just incredible. It's a really interesting take on gender and how that impacts a society. And I think it's going to be a really, really interesting discussion. So yes, I'm obsessed with it. I'm a little ashamed that I hadn't really heard of it and hadn't read it. Like just, I was telling Sadie earlier, but I got through the author's note and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm obsessed with this. And I just read an author's note. Like she's just amazing. And so then I went down this rabbit hole of Uh just, research on the book and the author and so fascinating and I'm so excited to talk about it like I know. and I have not really been a real big science fiction fan like to be honest like I, or at least I haven't I haven't explored the genre enough right. and I'm regretting that now because and I love how she talks about science fiction but we can save all that for uh yeah. for our actual episodes <laughs> on on the left hand of darkness yeah. um so yeah pick up a copy if you haven't um it's a pretty I think it's a quickish read. I don't think it, you're going to have to slog through it. So if you pick up a copy, you should have time to get some way into it, at least um, before our next episode. Yeah, it's around a 300-page read, which is pretty short for like a science fiction book, I feel like. Cause those yeah, tend to... I mean, we could have gone with a lot <laughs> longer if we wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'll be, I think it's a quick read, so it'll be, it'll be really good. I'm excited. And then you, we are actually kind of planning ahead and Audra had already picked the next book that we're going to do after that. Yes. So our next book after The Left Hand of Darkness is going to be The Spy Who Came In From the Cold. So I thought we'd kind of stick with going into some specific genres and this is a spy novel um, by Jean Lacar and really excited about it. I read it in college um, and then there's a movie. I've not seen the movie, so... Um, that's always fun though to get to read and then see what's on screen about what we've just read so I thought that would be a good choice um, it's set during the Cold War I think Time Magazine yeah when I looked it up Time Magazine put it as one of their all-time 100 novels oh wow so not that I think Time is necessarily the <laughs> echelon of literature but like it's it made an impact at least so um, I thought that would be a good one so go pick up a copy of The Spy Who Came In From The Cold um, by Jean Lacar uh, from your local bookstore I feel like we're really going into like the dad genres, like these if dad genres. Oh, yeah. what do you mean? Like, I feel like is this dads that, read sci? Like, I feel like just dads read sci-fi or they read hmm. mystery spy novels. Don't you feel like the same with same with movies? It seems like just such a dad genre to me. Maybe it's just my dad. I don't know. 
Maybe. I mean, your dad's pretty, like, well-read, well, like, you know, watches a lot of movies. And, um, I mean, my, I don't know. I don't know. It I just seems like such a dad novel. Like, I don't know. It See, I would like say that for, like, like, Tom Clancy. Like, yeah, if you said yeah, Tom yeah, Clancy, yeah. I would think of my dad. Like, those kind of, like, yeah. somewhat military, spy, like, that, like, saying that makes me think of my dad. Like, that's a dad novel to me because that's what yeah. my dad read. Yeah. I don't know. That's we'll see funny. we'll see if I feel the same way after we're done reading it. But to me that's where my We head should goes. take a okay, let's put that on our Instagram. Ask people what they what kind of novels they think of when they hear dad novels. Like or oh, find some way to phrase it. Let's see. I'm yeah. really interested if anyone else has the same or kind of what everyone else's answers are. So maybe we'll put something about that up on the Instagram page. That'd Hopefully be fun. Someone sees it and responds to it. Um and then only other thing, so once again, if you didn't know, um, my husband Kendrick, he did our intro and outro music and edits all this for us and I have use all this great equipment. Um, so really appreciate all that. He is going to be doing a concert, a live concert. I'm so excited to like oh, see wow. music with other people live. Yeah. Um, so he's going to be doing a concert on July 10th. Um, it's in holiday uh, here in Utah and it's for the uh, it's, I think it's the Concert on the Commons is what they call the series. So he's going to be doing the opening night, I believe. So um, if you get a chance, look up. Uh, it's holidayarts.org backslash concert on the commons, or you can go to his YouTube page, Kendrick Zane. Um, it should be a really great concert. So if you didn't That's know, awesome. he's a great musician. So I recommend, and I'm so excited to go see live music, especially. No, I wish I could be there. I know, me too. Oh, well, you live it's, far it's away. Fine. Yeah, I know. This is what I signed up for when I moved to It's it's part of it. I wish the world, you know, you could just transport back here, but you can't. So you just got to live with it. <laughs> All right. Well, what are you drinking in your very pretty glass? So I was perusing Instagram and I found the author, Caitlin Greenidge's uh, like public Instagram. She has like a private one that she uses for work. And then she has one that's public for like fans to follow. And mm-hmm. she had reposted a book club in New York City that did a themed drink with their themed book discussion of Liberty. And they made this wonderful drink. It was a rum punch drink. It's aged Caribbean rum, um, mango, pulp, or like nectar or juice, whatever you have on hand. Uh, some simple syrup. Or they used like a special kind of syrup. I just used simple syrup. And then Angostura bitters, and it's delicious. I, I don't drink rum often, but I am really enjoying this drink. I think it's perfect. I love that, and I love where you got the recipe. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, my drink, uh, I went to dinner at my friend Jeremy's house the other night, and she made me this lovely, it's um, uh, gin, a, a botanical gym, like elderflower. I just use mm-hmm. a botanical gin. Um champagne or prosecco i use prosecco and grapefruit juice and then a little um thyme sprig and it's so good i mean hers was way better than what i made but um (laughs) i tried to replicate it and i'm actually pretty happy with it um she's awesome she's so great at putting together like menus and events and all that so go check her out Uh, i think her instagram is slc moments so just gonna plug people yeah such awesome (laughs) things like i just can't help it I love being surrounded by talented people. It's pretty awesome. I know. And we get to plug them to such a huge audience. It's so fun. Huge audience. Yeah, huge. <laughs> like, they are the audience. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's okay. 
Um, I don't care. I'm having so much fun reading these books and talking about it. Me so too. in this book especially, it was just I just love it. So we discussed last time. Um, the, the chapters aren't numbered, but in the hardcover, it was um, through page 201. It ends with the chapter that starts, Real Love Knows No Danger. So it's mm-hmm. it's basically where um, it starts with, with them on the ship to Haiti. Um, and I just thought this was such a great place to split the novel because it really is like she's running from one life to another. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I think she looks at it not like she's running away from anything, but running to this new future. Um, which yeah. doesn't really end up being that. So I, I just thought that this was such a great split in the book, and I, it feels very intentional, like in the in the tone and in the writing. Um, I love the second half of the book even more than the first one, and the first one just grabs me right off the bat with just you know how it starts about raising someone from like it's just great, and this second yeah. half is just even it's just phenomenal. She's just amazing. I can't wait to read more. I know. I'm excited to see what she does next. Yeah, and I want to read her first novel, um, We Love You, Charlie Freeman. So I don't know if we would, of course, do as the same author and, you know, do it again, but I would want to read it on my own, so. Yeah, we. I mean, we can think about it for sure. Um, so what was your, like, favorite part about the second part? I don't know. What stood out to you in this chapter, in this section of the book? Because I find her, her character choices and... Um, She's almost a little frustrating. Like she, I think she kind of frustrated me a little bit. Um, But, but I don't know. Maybe frustrates not the right word. She surprised me. Like, I feel like you can see this like shift in her. And I think it's really interesting to watch like kind of who, who she turns into. And, and I, the parts with her mom, like the letters back and forth, I just, loved 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 the letters and I loved how much is said and how much is not said and uh, I just the letters from her mom just you know all these things that this is the only way she was able to communicate it really and I think they're just poetic her letters as well as you know she calls says liberty is has too much poetry and all of that but I think her words are just as um, poetic and lyrical Um, so I loved the letters the letters are really interesting to me if there's so much vulnerability in them from her mm-hmm. mother more so in a way than I think she has shown in the rest of the book um oh, like the one part where she says um oh where she where she apologizes basically she wants um liberty to come home so badly and she apologizes and says that she pushed her away because she was scared that if she, like, oh, there's such a beautiful quote. I wish I had the page with me um, or marked off in my book, but it's where she says that if she was scared that she was going to, like, love her into oblivion with how right. much she loved her and, like, actually apologizes for some of the stuff that she did that pushed Liberty away which, and, you know, and then the next letter, she is back to being kind of mad at Liberty. But I just think it it's such a beautiful moment of um, I don't, just vulnerability from her that we, we never yeah, really got Yeah, I love see. how she talks about Liberty. You know, that Liberty is this, you posted it on our Instagram, just the part about, you know, that she's the poem that 
her mom created and how she talks about liberty. And you can just really see this um, outpouring of love as much as she can that mm-hmm. liberty didn't get to see before. I mean, we went from the liberty who what faked being sick and all this just to get her mom's attention. And her mom just loves her and you really see it in these letters and it's just such a like heart-wrenching because I also totally understand Liberty's side you know it's like why now you know and it's like she's trying to have moved on from that like she's I don't think she realizes until the end that she was running away from something she still thinks she's running to this great new future and so I think her mom's just trying to pull her in she feels that and you know she still thinks that she's not a part of that world anymore even though she still very much is yeah. No, I love the letters. And I love, okay, my favorite character in the whole book is Teeny. Yes. Like, I just love this character. And I love how she's written. Like, I think it's almost like when she almost comes this close to being a trope and then it shifts. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, you almost think you know exactly who the character is going to be. And almost like she's just in this role and then something shifts and she's this whole another layer to her character yeah like I just thought she was fascinating I love that character and I love how she talks to Liberty you know like she when Liberty is upset with Emmanuel and um she decides to basically live with teammate or Timmy in the um like the cooking hut in the cooking hut mm-hmm. and Timmy lets her you know even though it does kind of like put her out of her own space in a mm-hmm. way but she still she talks to Liberty in such a frank way and like kind of tells her when she thinks Liberty is being a little much, you know, or like yeah. taking mm-hmm. things too personally or too far or um, yeah, overreacting in a way. Um, I, I love how she speaks with her. She just has so much kind of unspoken confidence in the way that she re- like interacts with other people. Um, I feel I, like almost she takes on in like a male Ben Daisy role. Like in yeah. the first part of the novel, Ben Daisy was this character that kind of served to Liberty and her mother. Like we're the same, but we're not the same. You know, you mm-hmm. you're freeborn and I'm not. And like you can't impose your experiences on me as a result or like how I'm supposed to feel, how I'm supposed to act. And like and then, you know, I think there's some things that like Liberty and her mother are kind of naive about that he points out in a way. Yeah. And I think Timmy, you know, same thing, you know, Liberty's, I mean, you can just see it right from when they're on the ship on this kind of honeymoon part that this loving idea of we're equals and companionship and all these lovely things he said about what men and women should be to each other and what it'll be like in Haiti and what he's trying to build. You can already see a little bit of that, like, uh, kind of things slip away from that on the boat, just on how they are with each other. I mean, they're yeah. still, he's loving to her you can tell he loves her and there's but there's just differences in their status and who they are and you can see the shift in him I think and and that just continues and Timmy's kind of almost calling her out like you know like you think this is unique to you you know like I've been living this kind of life and she doesn't do it in like a angry or resentful or patronizing way it's just a like checking liberty a little bit like yeah this is the life I've been living you know you think this is, you know, this experience is unique to you or you're the first one or, you know, this is just happening to you now. Like I grew up this, like she's just really yeah. pointing out the differences and making her kind of look at herself and really be that mirror for her. And I think that she's just this nice, um, just parallel to Ben Daisy in the first part of the book. And 
you can tell how much Ben Daisy and Timmy really affect Liberty and her trajectory of life. You know, they're really these kind of um, like compasses for her, I think, in a way. Yeah, they definitely seem to set her straight in any in yes. any way. Like they they make her more self aware or bring her towards a decision or like a point of view. They both steer her towards. I think something that she does yes. reach on her own, but without them, it, it's questionable whether or not she would reach that point. Um, I, uh, that's such a good observation though. I did not put the connection between her and Ben Daisy. And I think that's so smart. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, I appreciate that. I don't know how smart it is, but I was like, <laughs> Oh, this is, I think it I just was. I loved both of those characters and they really yeah. served a purpose and I mean but all of the characters are great I love how he just his sister I love the interaction Ella and Liberty have I mean and I think same thing just when you think Ella's going to be a certain kind of character like I'm all prepared to just think she's awful mm-hmm. something happens you know like you learn about how she grew up you like I mean she just goes the awful way yeah yeah Ella goes and, and back just little and things forth. too yeah, Ella goes back and forth for me as far as like my sympathies go. Obviously, I feel a lot yes. of sympathy for her, um, but, but she then just, she just does these awful things. Yeah, yeah, and then it's like her complicity and everything kind of goes back and forth. Where it's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. is she actually, you know, like dumb? Like the way that they talk about it, where like she can't get married because she's dumb. Right? Like, you know, she's not. Yeah, right they in have the this weird. Or she's crazy. Exactly. But then it's some sort of mental and disability like issues they paint and 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 yeah she kind of almost plays into it yeah I think as a as a manipulation which is kind of unlikable ex- until I remember oh well you know yeah that's the only probably way she could survive I mean that was her yeah. coping mechanism but then it's like she right. takes it almost too far yeah she's a hard character to nail down right and I I think it is interesting too because Ella is a she she poses an interesting opposition to liberty and like what they view as a place of freedom right like liberty goes to haiti thinking it's going to be this more free place or like a better place for them to be but then ella is just like dreaming of the united states still because she believes that there's more justice there than oh and and even just and not just justice like i think she really sees herself is possibly less than you know and the people of haiti is less than i mean she talks about mm-hmm. the haitians is in really derogatory ways yeah and i think it's on on page 223 they're they're all having dinner um they're having dinner with so um the bishop um his father manuel ella and i think timmy's there and um uh let's see there bishop says chase is talking about um some people that Liberty's bringing up back from America. Mm-hmm. And um, she says, uh, Bishop Chase sighed, no truer friend to the American Negro than Gefford. He has not been in power for nearly 10 years, Emmanuel said. Do not insult father. This was Ella. How is the truth an insult? It is disrespectful, she said. A listing of history is disrespectful? You would know. You understand disobedience better than I do, she said. And then she turned to me. Do you enjoy the food? I had never been looked at with such open hostility, but her mouth was fixed into a very sweet smile. 
I like it very much, I said. You do not have to lie for politeness sake. Haitian food is not like what we have in America. This meal is very good. In America, you know, our meals are so much better for digestion, she said. Here, it is always the plantain, the potato, and sometimes the goat. What I would not give for a gooseberry. Ah, but they are so sour, I said. You were lucky to have had a good one. There have not been good crops the last few seasons. When were you last in America? I had thought this would flatter her, but she narrowed her eyes and turned back to her plate, and the table was quiet for a moment. Ella has not lived in America since she was nine years old, Emmanuel said, laughing. I had pleased him with my unintended insult, I realized with dismay. Mm-hmm. And, like, just that interaction, I think, just really, it's talking about something so simple, you know, the food, but it just brings right. up all of these, like, judgments Ella has about herself and about her family and who she is and the people she lives with. And I think just she they serve as really interesting voices, I think, for that idea of, of diaspora and what does that mean and what does that do to a people and and what again just like in the first part of the book about freedom what is it what does it really mean what is freedom right and I I think that Ella has just even if I don't like her voice she's got a really interesting voice and you could just feel the pain in it yeah and it's and and it's good to see liberty yeah and it's good to see liberty have like someone to butt heads with more strongly that's not her mother because I think not that I think she was like coddled you know I think she like went through difficult things in the when she was back in America but in this part I feel like she she has more uh opposition to just like her worldview in a way yeah but you, you I know think, it's yeah Liberty's also really interesting in this part because you know she wants equality with her husband and she wants to be like included with on things right but then he's doing the thing that she like ran away from when she went to school so it's like what does Mm -hmm. she want still like what does equality mean to her in this sense because like I just don't I don't quite understand what her expectations are of Emmanuel because she doesn't seem to be particularly interested in medicine either she certainly didn't show much of an interest when she was actually at school for it yeah no, I agree. And like, it's almost like she's attaching herself to, to passions of other people because she doesn't know hers, you know? So at first yeah. she's attached to her mother's passion of medicine then, but realizes that's not hers. And then I think she attaches herself to the graces, you know, their yeah. passion for music, but that's not really hers, you know? And then she attaches herself to Emmanuel and his passions of, you know, of Haiti and what that means and what he's trying to, to create there. And that's not really what she is understands or is passionate about. And I think that once she has her children and, you know, I think really understands, you know, I think she's trying to seek freedom from what she thought was her, her mother and her mother's oppression of like her mother's dreams. But really Mm -hmm. that's not really what she was escaping. And, and because she wants it, she wants it back. That's all she can think of like that love and that's her home and she can, find her passion there I mean I don't think we're left knowing oh this is what Liberty's gonna go do mm-hmm. you know like you don't have a clear sense of her future but I think you know that she at least isn't she's gonna find it because she's not running away anymore and like yeah attaching herself to passions that aren't hers yeah it seems like at the end which I actually I love this ending for multiple reasons I love that it feels like an ending where the daughter goes back home, like back to her mother yeah. in a way that doesn't feel regressive, you know? Right. And or it's not, it's not like the prodigal son, you know, yeah. there's no like, 
Yeah, it's it's yeah, exactly. She left thinking that she had to leave that and then realizes that she doesn't have to and she wants to be there, but it's on her it's on her terms now. It's like a whole new start even though she's going back. Like yeah. she's and not I actually going backwards. It's just like this full circle kind of. Yeah, and I like that it's not a rejection of her marriage and it's not like a full rejection of Emmanuel like she she wants him to come with her that would you know that would make her happy she at the end you know the very ending is like a letter that she writes to Emmanuel where she says I really hope that you come with me I hope that you follow me um but like I have to do this and I think you can follow me if you really are brave enough like if you have the strength to do it please Mm do and I love that. I love that it's not, I made a mistake and I regret every decision that I made when I went to Haiti. It's, yeah. I made this decision and now I know where I need to be and I want my family and my life to move with me. But if they don't, then okay, like I'll move, I'll go there by myself with my kids and I'll like take control anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I think yeah, it's I a just, very compassionate way for her to look at it, like compassionate for herself as Mm -hmm. well as compassionate for Emmanuel like she's exactly like what you said she she doesn't regret it like this is what happened and because of this this is now what happened and just kind of not looking everything pie in the sky like it's all happens for a reason and it's great but just you know that this is what happened now I'm here move forward like you know she she's kind to herself in that way and extends that to others and I think because she finally you know has forgiven her mother and forgiven herself and so once you do that, it's a lot easier to be compassionate to other people. But if you're still not being compassionate to yourself, it's really, really hard to to give that to others after a time, I think. Right. And I think, you know, I think she is fr- like as frustrated as she does get with Emmanuel. I think you're right. Like she he's not like a bad guy, you know, when he like pushes her out or he excludes her from things. He does it because he thinks it's going to be received by the community better that like because by doing this thing by operating under these rules or within the system that already exists there he can affect change better going mm-hmm. forward or like once his dad is gone or once people evolve better you know he thinks that he right. can make those changes so it's never too because he doesn't really want her there he just is operating within the system as he's trying to change it and I think she understands that even though she's frustrated and I like that she doesn't necessarily hold that against him. And then she gives him an opportunity to break the cycle and join her and actually be together and like make a decision together um, as a family that does put them on more equal footing, like him following her versus him following her following him is a powerful thing. Yeah, and I, I love that it's just kind of left open like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, th- I think she, I think the novel ends in a very, like, finite way. Like, I don't feel ending it and being like, oh, like, what the hell happened? You know, like, it's not left like a, a whodunit kind of ending. But I yeah. think it leaves parts open that are good to have open. Because I think the whole idea, you know, I mean, the novel's about freedom and and liberty that's something that she's just always thinking about and asking about is what is freedom and what is her freedom and I think she's trying to gain freedom from her mother or free to gain freedom from her hometown or all of those things but I think she discovers that she can have her own freedom and autonomy no matter where she is you know and and yeah. 
it's not the location that gives that to her or her birthright. It's, it's her within herself. Like she needs to discover that for herself. And she finally gets that autonomy, I think from her mother and then from Emmanuel and, and now she's able to be free no matter where. And so she's not scared to be with her mother anymore. I think she was almost running away from that. She was scared of it, you know, that she couldn't be free if she did followed exactly in her mother's footsteps. Yeah. And I I think it's a moment where she really feels like mature to me, you know, like Mm -hmm. she doesn't, not that I ever thought that she was not like a full grown woman, you know, but it seems like her. No, but she acted immaturely. She did act immaturely and and, um, rashly. You know, she seems pretty stubborn. And I think that um, this decision at the end that she makes is very mature. Yeah, and I I think that it's... Yeah, I think she's definitely mature a lot. And I think that characters like the Graces and Timmy kind of are there to almost highlight... Like, they not are there just to do that, but I think they highlight that. You know, with they, they just have a different level of maturity... Mm-hmm. Um, and like self-evolution, I think, than she does. And so I think they really highlight that because she's, I mean, she doesn't go around acting like some stupid brat, but she acts immaturely in a lot of ways. And I think they point that out. And so, yeah, it's a big shift that you see at the end of the novel. I think, again, we see these just huge like growths with Liberty that are just so mm-hmm. interesting to watch. And like, you just really want to stick with her on that journey. Or I do. I do too. I do too. And I, I, like again like I just think the ending makes everything feel so hopeful where you know does he follow her does he not we don't know but I'm hopeful that he does you know I I have enough maybe confidence in him or um faith in him in the same way that she does where it's like I think he's capable of it and that's how well that's what I would like to see happen that's how I like to end it like in my head when I finish the story he does follow her yeah. and they're together and they're happy and they, you know, I, I don't know, just find a way to make it work. And but I'm also going to be fine if he doesn't, you know, either way, yeah, it's, exactly. it's a good ending. It's a happy ending, even if he doesn't follow her back. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, exactly. It's either way. It's a it's a good ending. So it's okay to have it open, really. I think it's yeah. just lovely. Um, okay, my I love the part in the novel where they do where they go to the All Souls Day celebration, the yes. Fet Sked. Love it. And I love um so it's on page two seventy three and Ella um and Liberty and Timmy are in the church and Emmanuel's father is, you know, leading the service and they can hear outside like all the celebrations. And Liberty says, I glanced over at Timmy, who had stopped listening to the bishop altogether. Her face was turned toward the street. The expression on it was one of such open longing, I felt a rush of pity. It did not seem fair that Timmy should also be punished by my husband's sense of propriety. I tapped her on the shoulder, and she startled. I smiled, though, and whispered, Uva Ale. I'm sure I didn't say that right. (laughs) Um, She looked at me for a moment, as if deciding something. I pointed out the doors where a woman, her face streaked with white powder, her skirts hiked to her hips, was running past, a little boy laughing, trying to keep up with her. Timmy nodded. Once. I took her hand and walked the two of us out of the church. And then they go to the cemetery and, like, mm-hmm. are part of this celebration. And I just loved all of that scene. And I love that she takes Timmy and that there's this kind of act of disobedience with it. And I love the just... It's just so cool. Like, I really felt immersed in yes. this 
the celebration, this festival going on in the cemetery. Like it was just such a great scene. And I loved Liberty's reaction to it and Timmy's and Timmy wasn't acting as like this guide necessarily. I like that they got separated and, you know, they each had their own experiences and it was just great. I love that they do it together when they leave the the church. I think that there are so many examples of like the strength in numbers, like when women gather together um mm, yeah th- throughout the novel whether it be the graces or um her and Timmy, but also there's the this one chapter where she's just talking about the women's society that like i think funds the hospital or something yeah well yeah in the beginning of the book where they're talking i mean how her mother gathers the women and they're the ones that build the hospital and like yeah and she, that's true there's so many examples of that and she even talks about how um how powerful it is in that room with all those women like that it's the Mm -hmm. most powerful thing that she's ever been around or seen and even if you know they all have kind of their different perspectives or points of view or are kind of hard on her in certain scenarios like there's so much strength in just women being able to gather and talk no I think that's such a great insight I think you see that too with with Liberty and with Ella. Yeah. I mean, they never like towards the end of the novel, they you know, they see each other in new ways and mm-hmm. they're so much stronger for it. You know, they both are able to be stronger where they need to be because they don't have this like division necessarily anymore. Um or at least they find ways mm-hmm. to connect and and fight together. Maybe is a better way to say it. Like they found common ground. They don't yeah. necessarily not have divisions anymore, but they found their common ground and they're stronger for it and yeah you great example like that you brought up with what I can't remember what chapter that is but she has a great description of all the power she feels from this woman that's such a great insight thank you um I thought it was really powerful and it made me think about a lot about you know my own kind of interactions with women and um Mm -hmm. and I'm not gonna lie like I I think I've talked to you about this before but I have struggled in the past like to feel connected to like a large group of women outside of my sisters Mm -hmm. and my family like it's been difficult for me and it's not that I don't have anything against them I just find it to be like a more I I don't know I feel more self-conscious in a way and yeah it's it is I think something that a lot of people feel because I think society often tries to pit women against each other either as like competition in the workplace or competition um, at home or like in the dating scene. Not even that it really exists, but it's talked about like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I, I agree. Yeah, I think that there's those preconceptions out there. And I think that what's one of the ways to really forge good relationships is, you know, one of the many keys, but one of them is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I think that you have to be vulnerable with other people to form like deep connections. And I think that as women, we have to be vulnerable with each other. And that's hard because we assume based on what all those things that you just mentioned or based on our own insecurities that we're going to be, that they're going to be judging us, you know, on, on things that I think we don't necessarily have that fear of with, with other, I don't know when it's not women specific, which is silly because I think in reality, that's not what's happening. I mean, I'm not, and I'm assuming they're, you know what I mean? But I think we all think the other is, and it just becomes this big mess and we're not vulnerable. And so then we can't, that prevents you from forming those relationships. I know that when I feel the most connected with my girlfriends, it's, it's from being vulnerable with them. Yeah. 
Yeah. And hearing their perspectives or their experiences and like so many of our shared experiences that we're not often kind of allowed to talk about on mass. Like it's not normal to be vulnerable with some of the things that I think universally women or um, people like who are undervalued maybe by society go through. And then it's, you know, Mm -hmm. and then there's always, of course, like extra layers where, um, you know, the vulnerabilities that I have as a woman are limited by the fact that I'm a white woman in society and the vulnerabilities that other women of color have to share or trans women have to share. It's going to be different and we need to make sure like we're, you know, I'm trying to be really conscious of, um, you know, understanding that there are universal experiences, but I like it gets a lot worse and we have to be open to hearing all types of experiences. And then like by that we can be stronger and like can actually reach a goal, you know, like feminism is yeah. never going to be done or complete or, you know, like the goal is never going to be reached until it's intersectional. And that's something mm-hmm. that this book really reminded me of, of like these women aren't really going to reach their goal until they get past know the colorism that exists within their society as well you know they have to transcend those ideas or those like prejudices or perceptions just as much as like we just as a whole gender kind of need to think about things you know yeah no and I think you see um in the uh, Emmanuel uh, Liberty's living in the shed with Timmy and she starts she finally starts to like ask Timmy about herself Mm -hmm. like and and like stops the focus from just being about her and what she's going through and and you know is kind of asking Timmy about you know her history and her life a little bit and I think that that's when you see like them form this deep connection because Liberty was you know Timmy was vulnerable with her and Liberty was trying to form connections and trying to look outside of just herself and um Mm -hmm. I love I love their relationship and how it's it's shifted um and you really can, I almost feel like Timmy, even though she's not age-wise or anything, she kind of takes on a little bit of this motherly role just mm-hmm. in somebody that's teaching Liberty. Um, and she's, you know, doing what a parent hopefully does and gives you tools to figure it out yourself, you know, not just yeah. do it for you and not not help you at all, but make sure you have all the tools that you possibly can to figure out how to be the person that you need to be and be a good person. Like that that's what I want to do as a parent. And I think that Timmy does that for liberty yeah she does a great job of like pointing her in the right direction but making sure that she gets there on her own you know and doesn't she doesn't coddle her with the conversations Mm -mm. that they have that are harder and I think their interactions um show just the importance that there is in asking questions how they feel about asking people questions about how they feel about stuff rather than just assuming Mm -hmm. how they would feel based on of how you feel um I never do that (laughs) (laughs) I have never done that ever (laughs) never (laughs) no it's just really good I and I feel like there's just lots of lessons I think in this book about um how to gain strength from numbers how to learn things from your peers and outside of just how to like navigate a society that usually you know doesn't value as you as much I I loved it I thought it was really beautiful and I definitely like this book I think is gonna 
stick with me for a while. Yeah. Well, and all that fits in with, you know, I think in in some ways it's kind of this coming of age novel as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, those are all, I think, important parts of those kind of novels and that story. And I think she hits, she hits it all. Like there's nothing I feel is missing. There's nothing. It just feels like such a nice, complete, affecting novel. And I just loved it. This was probably one of my favorites that we've read so far. I agree. I agree. Really, really good. I think one of my favorite things about it too is, um, yes, like, for Liberty, it's a coming-of-age novel. She's young when she learns these all, all of these things. But I think the mm-hmm. letters also show that the things that we learn, you know, they can happen at any time. Like, it's not too late. Yes. You know, her mom... Yeah, look at her mother. Her mother, like, finally kind of, like, apologizing to her about mm-hmm. being cold or distant or um, apologizing about not fully understanding the experience of Liberty's father and what it was like for him to be enslaved and other people that she meets and what it was like for them. You know, she talks about how she's sorry that she didn't fully understand what it was like for him. Um, And, you know, she's older, like she's quite late in life when she finally admits this and is vulnerable, like we said, and kind of learns this lesson I guess and I like that I like that you don't have to be young you don't have to you know you're never too old to learn a lesson and to like be better and I love that that's very that's a very hopeful message (laughs) (laughs) I know no that's I think it's true like yeah I think the book has says a lot of hard things but a lot of really beautiful hopeful things too it's just great Mm -hmm. it was a good one Yes, thank you for. I bet you. I bet one. you they make a. I bet you, like the movie rights have already been purchased. Like the, I can totally see this being a movie. I agree. The movie, or I think it would work better as a movie than a TV show. Um, but I feel like everything's just going to TV these days. We're in like the golden age of television. Um, yeah. But I hope it's a movie because I think it would fit better. But I hope. Th- yeah, mm. I, I think it would be a beautiful film. Yeah, I just googled something about it and nothing came up, but I maybe just didn't phrase it the right way. But um, well, it's early. I'm sure once she gets nominated for an award, they'll they'll be sucked right up. (laughs) That's true. Well, it was great. So if if any of you did not read the novel already, even though we're we're done discussing it, at least as far as the podcast goes, I really recommend reading it. It's never too late. It's never too late. (laughs) Read it um, before our next novel, The Left Hand of Darkness, which I'm really excited about. Okay, I just realized that you're wearing a t-shirt that has Bart Simpson drinking a Slurpee. Like, (laughs) that's hilarious. I love your shirt. I had no, I didn't even pay attention to that. I feel bad. That's really funny. It's okay that you're pretty cool. Oh my gosh. I got it from my older siblings. No, I love it. Really? (laughs) Oh, just my coolness. Oh, oh, I thought I was like, (laughs) whose t-shirt is that? Why do you, why do you have a hand-me-down from them right now? No. No, it's not any of my siblings' t-shirts, but I feel like I got my coolness from them. I I definitely got my love of Simpsons from them. Um, whenever, honestly, the brothers would get together, that was one of the shows that they would watch. Like, late nights, Kendrick's over at our house late night visiting over the weekend or something. Steven as well. That's what we watched, is The Simpsons, till like, 3 o'clock in the morning. That's cute. And they had like everything memorized. It was it was really cute. I have a lot of really good memories of watching The Simpsons with my older brothers. Aw, that's sweet. 
I know. They're so sweet. I'm so glad I have a big family, you guys. Well, just not just for the fact that I wouldn't be born unless it had been a big family. And it's giving us some listeners, hopefully, at least a couple of them. (laughs) I don't bring any listeners to the table. Well, my parents, but I don't have any siblings to bring. So thanks for doing that, Sadie. (laughs) Well, and it's a big family, so it bumps up our listenership. Thanks thanks all Wollston Humes and add-ons from that. (laughs) You make up our 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 listening audience. Probably not. They're probably like, we hear from them enough. I know. <laughs> I think we maybe I didn't mean for couple. this episode to be so self-deprecating, but it kind of turned into that, but that's okay. Um, well, I really love this book. Go pick it up if you haven't already. Please read it and pick up The Left Hand of Darkness. I'm really excited about that. Um, is there anything else that we've missed or you want to make sure that we shout out to the people? No, I think you covered it. Okay, and I definitely want us to put up that Instagram questionnaire. I'm interested to see if anyone else has any things that spring to mind when they think dad novels. And you know what? I think that there's mom novels. Like when I think mom novels, I think of like Rebecca, um, although my mom was, she was kind of a eclectic reader. So I guess I don't really have, because she also was really into like Anne Rice, Mm. um, but she read all the classics. Like, yeah, so she was kind of all over the place, but. I, Rebecca was her favorite book so that to me is like a mom book for me it's like Pride and Prejudice yeah um, your mom's a total like British my, yeah, Anglophile my, that's and my mom larger, at least. for sure she's very into like Jane Austen Charlotte Bronte like the classics mm-hmm. classic romances um, yeah are very standard in like a Mormon mother household <laughs> oh okay that's interesting yeah I wonder too like culturally what if there's any it's an interesting then, deep dive to go but, down. But then also, like, moms account for the majority of sales when it comes to romance novels. But my mother never read, like, romance. Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> no. <laughs> Nora Roberts? No. I cannot picture that. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. That would be hilarious. <laughs> maybe I, that's, That would be maybe funny. Maybe as a joke for her birthday, I'll just get her a bunch of romance novels. It'd be a waste Do of it. money. Do it. But and we'll know if she listened to this or not by how she responds. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody. We, I really hope if you read it, you enjoyed Liberty. Um, check out Caitlin Greenidge, Greenidge's other novel. Um, we love you, Charlie Freeman. I'm going to as well. So, um, And we will talk at you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.